0: A world of history and architecture. A world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings students and welcome to this episode of The Professor
1: Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different travel destinations. Hopefully this will inspire you to have a discussion and have conversations about these places. Um, We hope this also inspires you to travel more and enjoy life more. Now you can reach me on a variety of different social media sites but starting first with my website, which is at theprofessortravel.com. You can also find me on both YouTube and Facebook at The Professor Travel. I'm now available on TikTok at The Professor Travel. Um, if you're an Instagrammer, you can find me at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you're on Twitter, please find me there at theprofessortr1. And then, of course, if you're a blogger, you can find me at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I am so privileged to have with us Sarah Rivas, our visiting professor um, from the Behind the Crew Door podcast. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today?
2: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for coming
1: on board. Um, Now, for my viewers that are out there or for my listeners on the podcast, um, tell us a little bit about uh, some of your credentials, a little bit maybe about your educational background and places that you've possibly traveled.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any education when it comes to traveling. I'm just a very um, active traveler, and I have been since I was a kid. I was very privileged to have my parents be able to take me quite a few places when I was young, and I got the travel bug very soon <laughs> after that. So um, I got to travel. I've been to Europe about five different times now, which is amazing, and I'm so privileged to be able to have said I've done that. And You know, I've been quite a few places around the world, so um, I just really enjoy traveling. <laughs> That's
1: I, and, and for my viewers and for my listeners, part of this is going to be to discuss your podcast, which is called yes. Behind the Crew Door, where you and your co-host, uh, Tom, talk about things that, you know... Uh, people uh, working in the cruise industry experience on cruise ships, which is really fascinating and that's what gives you guys, I think, a little bit of a distinctive difference than your average travel uh, podcast or vlog that might be out there. So during this, um, we're going to discuss a little bit about what is behind the crew door. Um, I also want to know a little bit about some of those countries you've been to and different continents you've been to. Uh, We'll talk about the different types of content that you have and then, of course, some of your favorite travel tips to your viewers and listeners. Sound good? Awesome. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much. All right, so we want to know about you. Talk to us about Sarah Rivas. Um, you know who are who are you, and tell us a little bit about how you got involved in travel.
2: Yeah. Well. Okay. So, um, like I said, went to Europe when I was a kid, so I just have such a soft spot for Europe. Um, but the way that cruise ships kind of came into my life is, I had you know I, I went on only a couple cruises when I was a kid. It wasn't like I. You know, cruised a bunch or anything, but I happened to be traveling and backpacking through Europe with a friend of mine. We backpacked around Europe for about seven weeks when I was 22 years old, I think, something like that. And uh, I happened to meet a girl in Venice, Italy, that um, had missed her ship, and she was a crew member on board. They were supposed to hold the ship for her. She was coming in from another some other port or something she was flying in and they were supposed to hold the ship, but that message did not get to the captain. Um, so she ended up having to spend the night in Venice and her and I ended up striking up a conversation while we were sitting on a dock in Venice, you know, eating cheese and crackers as one does in Venice. Right. Of course. <laughs> and, and uh, she was telling me all about ship life and what it was like to be a crew member and all of that. And so after my seven weeks of backpacking around Europe, you, you know, you get home and you have that like sadness when you get home from a trip, you know, And I said I want to do something with my life, and I was a server in a restaurant at the time. And I said I wanted, you know, I want to travel. So I started applying for any and all cruise lines, and um, the cruise line that I ended up working on, um, it just worked out. So I'm super grateful, and I'm grateful for meeting her. And who knows what my life would have been like after that. So now,
1: let me ask you a question. Um, Sure. Do you know what? department she was part of.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was a um, photographer. She was in the okay. photography department.
1: And when you were looking to get involved in the travel industry, just because it was something that you were kind of, you know, Hey, this would be really kind of fun. Were you looking to also remain as a server or cause I know, cause what my, what my listeners don't know is that you moved into the entertainment portion yes. of the cruising world there.
2: So originally, yes, I did look um, to be a server. They don't really hire a lot of American servers on cruise lines, though. You don't really see them, and I'm not quite sure the reasoning why. But also, to be a server on a cruise ship, you have to have worked in, like, five-star restaurants and like know all the different wines and have steaks and you know all that kind of stuff so and you know pull from the right and take from the left and you know all that kind of stuff so um I did not have that kind of experience which I realized very quickly while I was like kind of looking for those types of jobs and I just couldn't find those types of jobs as an American so then I kind of moved into I was like oh well I could you know take care of the kids I know they have kids stuff on board and then I realized I don't have that kind of experience either so I was like okay well (laughs) That's not going to work out. So then um, i was talking with the recruiter back and forth that's how this kind of happened and she goes well with the experience that i see for you is you would be good as cruise staff which um, for those of you who don't know cruise staff on board it's not the entire crew it's the um, small team that's on most cruise lines and they do all the host all the entertainment you know the bingos the trivias the deck parties all the game shows all that kind of stuff that is your cruise staff team so i said oh i've done a lot of theater in my life that sounds great let's do that i'm a person <laughs> person so <laughs> that's how that happened <laughs>
1: that's fantastic now leading into our uh, our next slide um we're going to talk about the gentleman that's in these pictures with you sure. again um how did you end up meeting uh tom
2: yeah so um Tom is a technician. He worked on board. I was on board, I think, about a year before he came on. Um, He worked for a previous cruise line and then quit there and then ended up coming to the cruise line that we worked for together. Um, He was part of the general technicians, which means um, there are technicians that go around the ship and make sure all the lights and microphones and stuff are working around the whole ship. And then there are technicians that are designated just in the big theater on board. So he was doing all the other stuff except for the big theater. So he would come to all of my programs and he was, you know, getting my mics ready or my lights or, you know, setting all the like projectors or anything like that, that had to be done. So we met that way. We didn't actually become friends until I came back for another contract because he was very quiet at first, which is very funny because if you listen to the podcast, he is very (laughs) not not quiet at all. So he was just like, you know, kind of feeling it out. And I went on vacation. I came back and then a friend of mine, um, she was like, no, Tom's great. He's really funny. Funny. so then we ended up becoming very good friends after that
1: that's so awesome I love yeah. that story because you guys have such chemistry on your podcast and mm-hmm. it just it's it's hilarious now one of the things you mentioned to me before you before we started this recording is that <laughs> Tom is actually right now on a ship in I think mm-hmm. in dry dock currently and and um, Uh, I was really appreciative of the fact that you even asked him if he would want to be on this podcast and vlog with us Um, but I know obviously internet's a little spotty and stuff goes on you know and and he's obviously working right now somewhere in the world Uh, but I wanted to find out a little bit about like what is do you know what kind of stuff he's doing while they're in dry dock
2: right now? Um, So I asked actually I talked to him yesterday very briefly Um, yeah so basically for those who don't know what a dry dock is it's every few years uh, ships are made mandated to be pulled out of the water and they have to like check all the, you know, the bowels of the ship and make sure all the seams are good and propellers and engines and all that kind of stuff. But that also um, is a great opportunity when people aren't on board to, you know, rip out things and put in new looking things. And, you know, so he is working and obviously since this is a COVID time, um, you know, he's in the theater still. So he, he transitioned to a big theater eventually, obviously. So he is now in the theater and they're doing a lot of maintenance because, you know, normally the ship it's going 24 seven, the projectors are on the lights are on, you know, all the stuff is moving consistently, but since it's been COVID, um, those things haven't been happening. So he's been on board and he said he's been doing a lot of maintenance, um, just kind of getting everything kind of back up to where it was. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're doing a lot of stuff in the theater right now. I don't, quite know what they're doing now because you know he's not really his internet's not quite the best right now so we haven't had a chance to have like an actual conversation like what are you doing he's like lots of work and I said okay cool
1: (laughs) got it thanks appreciate it Um, so let's talk okay so you guys got to know each other a little bit more after the year that you guys were um you know associated and then you were you came friends what inspired you guys to do a podcast together though
2: yeah so um when was that 2018 he was in town for a friend of ours wedding and he was just sitting at my kitchen table and we were chatting and he goes you know i've been listening to a lot of podcasts and he goes and i've realized there are no podcasts with crew members like of past crew members because at that point he wasn't working on a ship he just recently went back so he goes I think it would be really fun to do that. And I was like, yes, we should definitely do that. Um, And you know, we were saying, you know, we, we, I said, there's so many things to talk about. So um, he went back, he was living in Dubai at the time. So he went back to Dubai and we just started, you know, talking about the different episodes that we could do. And then we started kind of recording them and, and then we released them to the world and we've realized that there are a lot of people out there that are super interested in that. So it's just kind of worked out really well for us and we're just super happy. It's just a fun hobby for us, honestly, you know,
1: but you know what it comes across as like seriously genuine that you guys are having so much fun. One of the things I remember, and now that I'm thinking back to some of the podcasts that I've listened to that you've had, you guys have like, people in almost every single state that mm-hmm. listen to this and probably a number of people all throughout the world. You know, uh, Tom is from uh, Wales. And yes. so, I mean, I know that, you know, you have people uh, that go outside of the continental U.S., clearly. so yeah.
2: I haven't checked the stats recently, but I know we had, I think it was like 35 different countries were listening, people from wow. different... Yes. And then... As of now, I think we have 49 states. I think we're missing, like, North Dakota from from listeners.
1: (laughs) So if anybody out there is North Dakota, seriously, subscribe. It's such a fun podcast. It's really, really cool.
2: It's so amazing that we have that many people from around the world that are listening to us, and just the people that reach out to ask questions. I'm just baffled. It's so cool for us, you know?
1: But it's always a really great idea to hear from not just, um, like, a travel vlogger like myself, someone who does a lot of traveling, but more... Tell us, uh, tell us about things that are behind the crew door. Tell us about stuff that happens under the waterline. Tell us about stuff that happens behind the curtain. Now, obviously, in many cases, and I would imagine in most cases, you really don't want to talk about the specific cruise line that you're part of mm-hmm. or a specific ship that you're part of, because obviously I would give it away, too. Um, because sometimes... Unfortunately, those those stories are not the most flattering. Um, but you know, and other times they could just be funny, whimsical stories. There's a lot of different things that are out there that you can touch on that that it's it's helpful for people to know about. Um, so it's really appreciated that you guys have this, and I and I am. I'm thoroughly floored every time I hear it because you guys sound like you guys are having so much fun, and it really, it really does show through.
2: We do. I mean, he, him, and I are best friends, so it's just, it's really fun that we get a chance to do a fun hobby together. Especially since he, we don't see each other that much. We only see each other maybe twice a year, if that. Most of the time, so it's nice, you know.
1: But when you guys are working together on a ship, um, or had been in the past, you guys were pretty much in concert with each other every oh, other absolutely. day, or something like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's true. Except Tom, I was on the same ship for my entire career on board. Tom bounced back and forth between multiple ships. So there was times where we would talk, but I didn't see him. And then there was times, I mean, I remember I hadn't seen him in about a year, probably, but we were still like keeping in contact. And I remember he, I came back on board from vacation and he happened to be on my ship. So I, we literally that evening booked it to the bar. I was so tired, even though I was, you know, I had just got back on board, but we, I booked it there. We sat and had a drink and caught up for, like an hour and a half. It was just so nice. It was just such a nice, like reminiscent time for us, you know?
1: You know, I th- I just thought about another question I was kind of curious about since sure. since you talked about it a little bit earlier. If you had someone out there, if we had one of the listeners who was like, you know, I really would love to get involved in becoming a crew member on a on a cruise, but I just do- mm-hmm. I I don't really know how to go about doing that. How would you what would you what would you tell them in order to have them start to get involved in that process? What would they need to know like ahead of time?
2: So if, um, if you're American, what I did is um, you have to go through a recruiter most of the time. Usually the cruise lines themselves aren't the ones that are hiring. There's just too many people that are applying. So they usually contract it out to third party recruiters. And then once they kind of whittle down what they want, then they send you on to the cruise line. So my suggestion is if there's a certain cruise line that you're looking for, go on their website and then find the recruiting list. Because those are the only people that can recruit for them. So if somebody's saying, if you pay me this amount of money, I will get you on board the ship. They're not a recruiter. (laughs) The recruiters get paid once you go on board. Like that's Mm. it. So I would go to those specific cruise lines that you want to look for and then go from there. Obviously, I don't think a lot of cruise lines are hiring right now, but they will eventually. So um, that's what I would say, is go onto their specific website and find those recruiters. And there are some recruiters that, sorry, there are some recruiters that hire for multiple cruise lines, which mine did. So I ended up, I was supposed to uh, interview for one uh, cruise line, and then I actually ended up uh, interviewing for the one that I ended up working on, so. Is
1: that typically because they're part of the same corporation?
2: Mm-mm, nope, oh. they're different. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So it's just yeah. uh, so you have like someone who's just a cruise recruiter, and they can go for multiple different types of
2: right. ones that and are. And certain, there. certain oh. cruise lines have certain requirements for the jobs, you know. So and that others don't. So that's the thing. <laughs>
1: Okay, perfect. And then another thing in reference to the same topic, um, just so my listeners also know, and specifically because there are some that are not totally familiar with cruising, um, you, you aren't just hired once and then work indefinitely throughout, mm-hmm. throughout your entire tenure with the, with the cruise corporation. Right. You typically are contracted for a specific time period. Is that correct?
2: Correct. Yes. So it could be anywhere from, you know, you could be have a one month contract, which is not normal, but, um, I would say anywhere from one month to six or eight months. I think, I believe maritime law is that you cannot work more than eight months on board. You have to have a vacation after you hit eight months. So I never worked that long. The longest I ever worked, I believe was five months at a time. But, and then after that, you get a vacation for a certain amount of time. (laughs) Nice.
1: Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on to some of the countries that you've traveled to. I'd love to hear about that. Um, So first off, how many continents do you think you've been to?
2: Okay, I was counting because you had asked me that question. (laughs) And so I I believe it's four. I've been to North America, South America, Europe, and Dubai is part of Africa, correct?
1: I I think it's technically... of Africa? Yeah.
2: The African continent. Yeah. Right? So, I've been to Dubai. So, four. <laughs>
1: okay. Cool, awesome. And about how many countries do you think you've been to? And just ballpark it, you know? I
2: think it's like 35. Okay. I think. Yeah. You're,
1: you're more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm at 23 right now, and I'm working my way up. But I've only gone, like, over the last couple of years, I've been hitting, like, like especially with cruises. It's like, right. boom, 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 boom. You hit, like, five at once, and it's kind of like a sampler platter at that point. So, yes. really kind of cool. Okay. Cool. Another question that I know was going to be really interesting. So, when you're on a cruise, specifically when I, as a guest, I'm on a cruise, I have a, I have a lovely cabin, whether that's an inside all the way up to a suite, but mm-hmm. when you're a crew, you have a little bit of a different arrangement. Tell us about what yes. the cabins are like for you all guys. All
2: right, yes. Okay, that is a hot topic when you work on board. <laughs> People ask you that all the time. Um, yeah, I would say, so depending on your rank, so if you go on a cruise ship, you can see, uh, depending on the cruise line you go on, there's officers, they have stripes on their shoulders and or on their wrists, or just depending on the crew line you go to so depending on your rank on board it also depends on what kind of cabin you have so if you have no stripes that means that you cannot go in any guest areas when you're off that also means that you share a cabin with either two or three people just depending on um, you know how it works or one other person i had a half a stripe so i shared with one other person so it was me and a roommate. to say that a cabin is small is severely understating what it is.
1: It's is a closet size.
2: <laughs> it, it really is like a walk-in closet, like a master room's walk-in closet. Um, yeah, no, it's not bad. Like you get used to it. You don't sleep there. I mean, or, I mean, you do sleep there, but you don't like spend a lot of your time there. So basically, if I in my cabin, if I stood in the middle of the room, I could touch the bunk bed and I could touch the bathroom door. Oh, just wow. by standing in it. And then we had a little desk area with a TV, and then we had two bunk beds, and we each had like a tiny little wardrobe, and that was it. So they're very, very small. <laughs> that also
1: speaks to um, another subject on that same topic, which is like, okay, you're going to be on this ship for months at a time, potentially in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the case, you can't, like, when you're visiting places, you can't just get souvenirs and stuff like that unless you're sending them back home, I would imagine. Is that.
2: A good <laughs> yeah, assessment? I mean, Well, so, um, yes, there's, there's some, there's a little bit of storage, but not a lot. So if you're buying like small stuff, not a big deal. Um, when we were in Alaska, I had heard, this was not me, but I did hear of crew members that purchased chainsaws because they were in Alaska, (laughs) which was very interesting. So Hmm. they would hold that. Obviously, you can't have a chainsaw as a crew member.
1: So, they, why would you only, want to have a chainsaw as a crew member? I think is more the appropriate question.
2: I remember, I just remember it being like a topic of discussion with security, being like, you can't buy chainsaws, guys. Like, let's not do that. And so, I remember security had to hold them until the end of their contract and then they would, or they would ship them home or whatever like, it was for, so,
1: for the log rolling competitions on board in the pool. I, I don't know what that would really be I for. Have
2: no idea why people <laughs> did that. <laughs> But might be, it might have been like a hot new item that people wanted. I'm not quite sure. So there was times where I would leave stuff on board for when I would go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the night I'd come back and someone would hold a bag for me because they would still be on board when I came back. Okay. And so there got to a point where I couldn't pack all my stuff up. So I definitely had to ship things home when I knew I was going to be resigning. So I shipped a couple big boxes of stuff home.
1: Okay. You know, so... The same topic, Um, let's say, for example, you know that you're supposed to arrive in a port, let's say Sidka or wherever else. Sure. Um, Can you have, like, Amazon deliver something to Sidka and then you pick it up there? Or, like, have you ever done anything
2: like that? So the ship itself actually has an address. So it's usually in the home port, wherever your home port is. Um, for example, if you're talking about Alaska, our home yeah. port was Vancouver. Right. So you could have stuff shipped to Vancouver and then it would come on board. They would sort all the mail and then one of your leaders would give it to you. Okay. Um, generally speaking, if it was just a port that we were stopping at, you could theoretically, I mean, have it shipped to a post office and then go pick it up. But that's kind of risky, especially if like you can't get off the ship that day or yeah. whatever it may be. So usually anytime I would get back on board, if we were in a different home port, they would give us the new address. And then if your family wanted to ship something or if you wanted to order Amazon, but I feel like when I was on board, Amazon you know, Prime was not like a big thing just yet. It wasn't as big as it is now where people would just have like anything and everything shipped to you. <laughs> So, I mean, it did happen, but not to the extent I think that it does now, which I can't even imagine what the mail-like coming to ships are now.
1: <laughs> I, I, it's got to be mind-blowing considering everything, especially, well, I imagine post-COVID it's going to be even more so. So, oh, it'll, yeah. it, so it'll be just like, we, that's a whole other topic we'll have oh, to get I'm into sure. it another time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but on the topic of safety and security, let's also talk about really quick um, countries that you may have gone to that may either have um political or civil unrest mm-hmm. or what the ship is supposed to do in specific situations like that. Have you ever experienced anything like that at all?
2: Um just once. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. We were coming back from the West Coast and we were going to be going through the Panama Canal and coming back to the East Coast. Um, we were coming back from Alaska from the summer. And we were supposed to stop in Mexico and they had just, I think it was Puerto Vallarta, and they had just had like a bunch of shootings that had just happened in that port area. And um, I remember one of my team members was from Mexico and I remember him telling our cruise director, saying something along the lines of like, you know, like I'm from Puerto Vallarta. It's not a bad city. You know, it just, it, it's just a little, I understand that this is scary, but like, it's a really great place to go. We should still go there. And I think they had already made the decision that we were going to skip that port. So um, those types of things, if we don't feel comfortable enough having our guests get off the ship because nobody wants bad press from, you know, that type of thing. So yeah. they made the decision to skip that port that time. I mean, i and we've gone to Port of to multiple, multiple times, but at that point in time, it was just kind of like, you know, this isn't the best time to be going there right now. So they just kind of do that type of thing.
1: I was going to ask, is that, is that a decision that's made from the ship like by the captain and security, or is it something that's made by the corporation? That's I think owning the ship.
2: I think it's probably a little of both. I, I was not high ranked enough to know those, I wasn't there for those types of conversations, but I think sure. it's a little of both where they talk to their shoreside partners and kind of debate what's going to happen. And I know they do this a couple weeks out usually. So they probably already knew that they were going to skip that port pretty early on. And were just like, Nope, it's just not, <laughs> not a good idea. You know,
1: <laughs> I, I, I had a situation a couple of years ago. I think it was in 2016 where I went to Barcelona for the first time and when I got right when we were arriving, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the Catalonian government, um, they're trying to secede from Spain. And Ooh. so, um, when we arrived, the local Catalonian politicians had been arrested by the Spanish politi- by the Spanish government, and so there were protests in the street. I mean, it wasn't anything violent or anything like that, but there were like mm. they were blocking traffic, and then at nighttime, you had people near the hotels were banging pots and pans outside their windows and stuff like that. So oh like, we can clearly hear there was something going on. I mean, it wasn't violent, as I said, uh, and people in Barcelona are some of the best in the world they are so nice absolutely the nicest people in the world but man it was like oh wow should we even like should we go (laughs) i don't know yeah so i mean i imagine there's certain risk assessment that's that's taken into consideration whenever you know a a cruise ship is visiting port Uh, but let's also talk about some other places as well um countries that you would like to travel to but that you've not yet is there a specific one or top three maybe that rise to the top
2: Oh yeah. No, I want to go to Australia so bad. Like oh, wow. I want it, but I don't want to do just a week there. I want to do like three weeks where you travel like the whole country, mm. you know, and you hit all the major hot spots. And then like, while you're there, New Zealand too. Cause it's there, you know, oh, go course. down there. Yeah. You know, because New Zealand apparently is beautiful, so I'd like to do like Australia, <laughs> New Zealand, in like both, and just like a nice little like roundabout like three week trip if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd love to go to um, Thailand.
1: Mm. Oh, that's fantastic! I love it.
2: Yeah, I really want to go there, and I'd really love to go to Japan at some point as well.
1: Nice. I'm that's really surprised nice. when you went to Dubai that you didn't uh, have a stopover in like Australia or like were you going from.
2: No, we had a direct flight. I went okay. in 2010, 2010, 2011, something like that, around there. And we had a direct flight from San Francisco to Dubai. So okay. it was like a 16 and a half hour flight. That's the longest flight I've ever been on.
1: Oh my gosh, that is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> very long.
1: <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't coached the whole way, but. Uh, I mean, oh, if it was.
2: was. It's okay.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you're a little bit more compact than I am. So. Uh, it's true. Um, I am very curious, and perhaps we can talk a little bit about culture in terms of what's on the ship and maybe some of the things that the crew have to work with. So say, for example, you have individuals on the crew who have specific religious needs. Um, Say, for example, you have someone who's Muslim who needs to pray at certain times of the day, or maybe you have um, certain religious holidays that need to be observed. How does a, how does a ship Handle that from a, in terms of a crew perspective, and then in terms from a guest perspective.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, so as an American on most cruise ships, we are in the minority most of the time. I would say um, on the ship that I was on, there was generally, I'd say, around a hundred or less than a hundred of us on a fifteen hundred crew member um, the, uh, ship. So I would say with religion, when it came to that kind of thing, people. In their certain, you know, cultures, they, I think they kind of stuck together when it came to that kind of thing. I know that there was like parties, or like, you know, or if they wanted to pray together, there was like different times and places to do that. I never, obviously, participated in sure. in you know those types of things. I think when it came to. Being Muslim, I don't think they allow time to pray five times a day. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, I'm not quite sure, though, when it came to that type of thing. But I do know that when there were bigger holidays on board, there was some sort of place where you could go and celebrate it. You know, there was like a room or something, and they did have those types of events for the crew members. I just didn't go to them. Um when we have like you know christmas on board there's a lot of crew members from different countries that are catholic so you were allowed, even if you're not allowed in guest areas normally, you were allowed to go to the services with the guests in your um, nice. uniform. So you can go to Ash Wednesday or whatever it may be or Christmas Day celebrations or that kind of thing. Yeah. And you can go and do all those types of things. So they did not like discriminate against that, which was very nice.
1: Oh, that's lovely. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, on another topic of culture, there's art. And I know yeah. that um, with respect to that um many ships have art galleries and they bring on art um usually is that like a um a third party that does that are they employed by the actual cruise company themselves do you know about
2: that um i believe that they are separate companies but they're like same thing with most of the photographers on board those are also separate companies um that are just contracted out i don't know i'm not quite sure why but i believe art companies they are separate and also okay. casino workers are different as well. They're mm-hmm. not employed by the cruise line as well. So I'm not quite sure on that. I'm sorry.
1: And no, that's okay. And I think, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but spa workers are also yes. separate now too. I think they used mm-hmm. to be employed by the cruise company and then they've completely done away with that and now they're like third party.
2: Yes, Well, at least on my ships, they were separate. But yes, I believe so on most cruise lines are like that. Okay.
1: Now, obviously, when we talk about culture, we also talk about language, too. And there's a plethora of languages that are spoken on board. (laughs) Are are announcements and crew uh, instructions usually done in English?
2: Yes. So um, on my cruise line, and probably others as well, um, if you're based out of the United States, your home ports are usually that. um, The crew members... If you are not from an English-speaking country, you have to take an English-speaking test. So I, t- I think it's a written and a um, verbal test as well, I believe, um, so that you have a good understanding of the English language because all announcements are made in English. Um, I believe if you are on a ship that's out of, like, China or over, you know, in Asia somewhere, that you need to be able to speak English and whatever language a majority of the passengers would be coming on board, so that okay. it's not super confusing. So I believe that English is a prominent language on most cruise lines, though, okay,
1: perfect. Now, also, when I think about culture, I'm a foodie. I love hey. food, and it goes back to I, I I didn't include the picture, but there's a fantastic picture of your co-host, uh, Tom, with a crab leg that's like. Oh, yeah a massive thing in his face. (laughs) Um, but in terms of diet and food aboard the ship and, and how that's brought on the ship, talk to me a little bit about like, do ships, uh, use locally sourced vendors when they arrive at specific ports? Do they typically have something contracted out? Do you know a little bit about that at all?
2: So I'm not a lot, but I do know some stuff. So I know that, It's whatever the shoreside partners set up to have the deliveries. So, I mean, depending on the size of the ship, there could be like 10,000 eggs that are eaten every cruise. You know what I mean? It's (laughs) nuts. Like, let me tell you, it's crazy. (laughs) So they do have, usually we get our food, I believe, in our home port because that's where we have the longest turnaround time. Um, For those that don't know, usually cruises start, like you get off the ship at 9 a.m. on that Sunday, and then that same Sunday we're leaving by 5 p.m with the next group of people on board. So it's a, but it's a very long turnaround time where we're in port for like eight or nine hours and we get as much stuff on board as we can. So um, I know with the food, that's usually when it comes on board. However, I do recall a time, I believe we were based out of Galveston, Texas. I think that's where we were. And for some reason, the food did not arrive. The food, the paper cups, all the stuff that we normally set sail with did not arrive. I don't remember why. So they had it all shipped to Jamaica and we were promised that it was going to be there in Jamaica. Well, we got to Jamaica and the food wasn't there. And then we waited around in Jamaica. We were supposed to set sail at like four or five in the afternoon. And We ended up waiting another couple hours, and we're like, we got to go. We got to get to our next port. I can't remember where we were going next, but we got to go. Maybe it was like Key West, and it took a while to get there, so we had to leave. And then just as we were getting ready to set sail, the food arrived. And um, I have never seen so many crew members out on the dock pushing things onto the ship as fast as humanly possible because we had to leave. I made the mistake after all of that came on board and they shut the the shell doors and everything and we took off to go have dinner, which was where all the food was being stored. It was right next to where our crew mess was. I have never seen people shoving things towards the freezers as fast as they can ever in my life. I was trying to step over things. I was trying to get in there and I was like, I'm so sorry, I am in the way. I am so 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 sorry so generally speaking it doesn't come on board from the ports that we're that we go to it's usually all outsourced and it does come from wherever we are locally Mm -hmm. but not usually from a country that we're going to if that answers your question it does
1: thank you and I know like um I think it was uh, a couple of the river cruises that are in Europe. I think mm-hmm. they, they will go like and have uh, like they'll pick up the, or the chef will have his crew or, or members of his, of his, of his team pick up locally sourced stuff when they're actually at a local port. And then they usually try to create a confection associated with that thing. But that's more themed, I think, and that's not sure. necessarily the, the bulk of it all. Um, mm-hmm. But man, um, one other question in reference to that story that you just made mention of, Um the term "all hands on deck," I think, <laughs> comes from like like it. Literally, it sounds like whether you were working in guest services or entertainment or Etsy or whatever, you know, or they were like, "Go, go, go!" So, I mean, um, was it that kind of a situation where they were like, literally, everybody just grab something and get it on board, or?
2: Um, I don't think it was quite that. I think it was a lot of our deck hands that okay. were bringing the stuff on board. And then I think it was the chefs that were throwing things into the freezers so that they know where things are going, okay. that kind of thing. But I mean, I don't think, I don't think any entertainment was out there doing that. Honestly, you have a lot of deck hands on board. So I think it was kind of an all hands on deck for the deck hands, you know,
1: <laughs> got it. So, um, Speaking of the crew, there's going to be time when there's going to be downtime for the crew, um, Mm -hmm. whether that's when you're doing a transatlantic or whether you're doing, um, you know, at sea days or things like that. I mean, obviously you have your days that you're, you have your times that you're working, unless you're working back to back hours for specific roles, but then there's also a lot of time that you have off. What type of recreation or sports do the members of the crew have access to or facilities that they have access to?
2: Sure. So on my ship, we had a crew pool. I wouldn't tell you that nobody really used it though. Um, <laughs> there's not very many crew pools on like newer ships that are being built because people just don't have the time to use it. Um, I think I've been in that crew pool three times in my three years of being there. So if that'll, that'll tell you something. Um, and a couple of times I was pushed in, but anyways, that's, that's a whole different story, but um, we'll have to listen to your
1: podcast in order to find out that story sometime.
2: <laughs> yeah, true story. Um, but we have a gym. There's a crew gym for everybody. Um, you wouldn't see people in there during the day as much as you would see people probably between like midnight and 2am. Cause a lot of people get off work around midnight. And so people go to the gym at night or you'd see them super early in the morning between four and five o'clock. I had a couple, uh, team members that would go at like four in the morning and they called me once. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I didn't go with them. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You're like, yeah, of course, I'll be there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, no, that did not happen. Um, and then, you know, for sports and stuff, that we have a pool table on board. We had a foosball table. Um, they have, like, some stuff. There's, like, a library for crew. But I know that um, we had some times where we would do, like, competitions between the different departments. And when we were in port, they would have, like, uh, soccer games or, you know, football or, you know, races and that kind of stuff just to kind of keep the morale, you know you know, and, and having inner department, you know, competitions and like that kind of thing, just to kind of keep morale up for sure. So there's, there are things it's just, um, and then they would have like crew parties. Those were kind of the biggest thing though, where they would have crew parties that started at midnight, went till 2am and you know, like Halloween or St. Patty's day or that kind of thing. So that, that was kind of the most recreation I would say that people did.
1: Absolutely. And then, so let's get back to your podcast because sure. I, I, I love it. It's fantastic. I've, Thank I've you. been a subscriber to it myself for a couple of years now and I, I just, I think it's fantastic. Um, uh, Talk to me a little bit about the content. So I know we have some news in there, and I, I shouldn't say a couple of years. I apologize. About a year now. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we know we now have a little bit of news that breaks on there, and you guys talk about that. Um, there's aspects of ship life, and there's behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other content are you looking at and incorporating into your podcast?
2: Well, eventually we would really, I mean, once Tom's probably on vacation next, we're probably going to hopefully bring some more people on that have worked on ships, like our friends and that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm hoping that we can start interviewing more people because I feel like Tom and I have told a lot of our stories and I want to hear other people's stories and what they, what, what their version of ship life is. Because that's always fun just to hear how, how people adapted to ship life and their time on board and transferring ships and, and that kind of thing. It's just very fun to, to hear it. And we have had a couple people on, a couple of our friends that live mm-hmm. here um, in Orlando. But I'd like to get some more people on as well that have different stories to tell.
1: Well, I can tell you, we're definitely going to be looking forward to it. But <laughs> now, burning questions. Um, <laughs> what is the most common question that your viewers ask you?
2: Oh, man, that's a great question. I would probably say people were super interested about the food like before we did our food episode people were like can you tell us more about the food and i'm like yeah it's not good what else do you want to know like
1: <laughs> you know i think i think the first I, I think you were the first podcast i was listening to when you actually talked about the crew mess and i sure. I, I never really got the i cuz I, I always assumed that maybe you guys ate after hours in like the buffet area or something like that i don't i don't know why i thought that but it was like mm-hmm. you know I, I i i just never really thought that there was a designated area that you guys were kind of separate from and because yeah. I thought you guys could take part in all the amenities anyways. So
2: oh no no that's not a thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um now what is a question that you wish that you would be asked by your listeners and or viewers?
2: You know I don't have any wishes that people would ask. I'm just like floored that people are super interested in it. It's just really cool to have people reach out and tell us, you know, that they're that they're loving our podcast, and then they ask whatever question they may have. It's just nice that people are so interested, and they're like, "You haven't covered this yet." I'm like, "You're right, we haven't." Let's, <laughs> let's do that. You know, <laughs> it's just nice that people are so interested.
1: With all the traveling that you do, um, are you more of a mobile passport person? Do you have global entry? Anything like that?
2: I do have mobile passport. I don't have global entry. I did get. Um, Actually, I just recently got TSA pre-check, which is funny okay. because I travel so much. Um, <laughs> but I, I do have mobile passport, and I have used that a couple times. And, man, that saves you a lot of time. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure, like, with Orlando, if you actually clocked it. But I can tell you, like, I live in Southern California. So yeah. going through LAX used to take me, in some t- some cases, it would take me an hour to an hour and 15, maybe an hour and 30 minutes in some cases, especially yeah. when you're traveling back internationally. Um after I got global entry, it now takes me fifteen minutes at the most. It's just yes. yeah, it's it's crazy fast how this goes. So yeah, I, if for my students and listeners that are out there, if, if you haven't considered this, I mean seriously, it now's the time to really really global invest task. in that.
2: Yeah. I mean, mobile passport. My dad was the one who actually told me about that. I was coming back from Canada and just walking through, you know, the immigration area and where a little sign that said mobile passport. And there was two people in front of us. And then there's like the oh, massive line of <laughs> us residents, massive line of international travelers. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to go down here where these two people yeah. are. And go.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Now, um, when you are traveling, and you're going to a country that does not use the US dollar. Do you usually purchase the currency before you go or do you purchase it after you've arrived at their location?
2: So what I've always done and I think I got this from my mom, um, we always just go over with a little of our American cash, but then I also but then I go to the ATM and I just pull out a good chunk of cash, usually about $200 worth I'd say mm-hmm. from the NATM so that I'm charged just the one time, you know, from my bank, cause you know, the banks like to charge the fees. And then I just use that. I don't ever get it beforehand. I just okay. always kind of wait and wing it. Cause I know there's going to be an ATM somewhere, you know?
1: And with most places you can use cards anyway. So it's not right. like a, or at least now I think everything is like shipped. So it's not yes. terribly bad. So, well, Sarah, we're coming to the end of this session, but I really want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It, it's it been a delight. And as I said, you know, your podcast is so fun, and I highly recommend everybody that jump onto it. It's called Behind the Crew Door, but you can also find you guys on Facebook. Is there any other method that people should track you down?
2: We're also on Instagram at Behind the Crew Door and on Twitter, but we don't use Twitter that much, but we're at, um, I believe it's at crew underscore door. (laughs) Okay,
1: well, thank you so much, Sarah. Now, for my students that are out there, if you have any questions or comments, you can certainly direct them to me at scott at Travel com um if you like this video and you're on youtube and you want to see when new videos come up hit the bell icon at the top of the screen in order to be alerted when new videos come up if you haven't already please subscribe and if you like what you're seeing and you want to see more please give us a like if you however are on the podcast and you, and you and you want to rate us please by all means give us a rating we really appreciate it until our next time however Make every
0: trip a travel adventure. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting The Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with The Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or twitter at the professor tr1 make every day a great day to have a travel adventure